A few years ago, church, I found myself engulfed in a swath of some 4,000 people of faith. These 4,000 plus and I had gathered for a number of days, roaming about a huge hotel in the middle of Florida. En masse, we moved from worship to workshops to buffet dinners. And if you're thinking that I'm referring to a large church week-long conference for young people, you're correct. Two years ago, you may remember, two years ago this June, together with 19 Los Altos youth and three adult leaders, I flew across the country to attend Y15 with some other 4,000-plus United Methodist youth from all across the United States. We were all gathered in one Marriott Hotel in Orlando, Florida. I know you're jealous. I know it. So next time, I'm going to invite you to come. Truthfully, Y15 was amazing. It was uplifting. It was awesome in all sorts of ways. And I feel as a pastor that that trip was a really, really good time in pastoral ministry. Leaders, youth, and I were still talking about some of those experiences, how they resonated with us, how they have formed our discipleship, our faith, and our our own community. And actually, during the fast, a few of the youth and I started talking about, well, maybe, why 19? Because it happens every four years. Methodists were caught up in this four-year thing. I don't know if you've caught this, but it's a qu- we do these things every four years. So every four years is a big youth gathering. So maybe we'll go to Y19. We'll see. But I'll also, I also need to share that not everything was amazing and uplifting and awesome in all sorts of ways at Y15. And I don't expect gatherings like this to be perfect or shiny. And to some extent, that's why I appreciate them. Because I believe that God calls us to be the messy church that doesn't always have its act together. The church that isn't perfect or shiny, but is rather messy and hurting and full of scars. The church that is real. The church that at times missteps and is often broken and beautiful and always full of God's people, broken and beautiful. So I go to these larger church gatherings with my own broken and beautiful flock to be the diverse and alive church of God, learning together what that means, what that looks like, what that feels like. And most of the time, despite the bad food and the bad sleep, despite the workshops and the drama that ensues at these things, most of the time I leave feeling that the body of Christ has grown in in some deeply holy way. Except this time, while I did leave feeling that it was meaningful and we had grown, this time I also departed with a pervasive and deep sorrow in my heart, full of shame, for the church. You see, two years ago, right there in the middle of Y15, one of the most impactful judicial rulings of the United States Supreme Court came down. And much of our country and even the world outside that Y15 Florida hotel was celebrating. Social media feeds were on fire. 
News broadcasters couldn't get behind cameras fast enough. SCOTUS had legalized same-sex marriage, and I was surrounded by beaming hordes of young people who were texting and Snapchatting and Facebooking and, oh, full of alive about this ruling. I was engulfed everywhere that day in the days that followed by the young church, full of hope and excited that the world really could change that hearts could be warmed, and that love for all could be proclaimed and legalized. But inside that Florida hotel at Y15, not one word was said aloud. Words about it were flying all across the worship arena at the buffet lines and workshops and hotel rooms, wirelessly flying faster than we could possibly track. But not one public word was said. And later that day, when it became brutally clear that not one word was going to be said, one of those 4,000-plus turned to me in a quiet whisper and said, I actually don't think I'm a Methodist. I'm a Christian. I know that. But I don't think I'm a Methodist. And as that day wore on and the silence became increasingly louder, I thought to myself, maybe I'm not one either. And this was less than two weeks after I had been ordained. So in that faith crisis of sorts, my pastor self did what the church has taught me. I turned to God in prayer. Images and scenes of My church scrolled through my mind, and I prayed about the Los Altos United Methodist Church and our California Pacific Conference that I know and who's taught me, who continues to teach me who Jesus is and what it means to be his disciple. I asked God, oh, guide me. Help me think critically of our church and consider our tradition, our experience, our reason, and Holy Scripture. Help me know, can I call myself a United Methodist? The answer that came to me is yes, I can, but not because of the institution. The institution that has drafted discriminatory and hurtful and unjust law. You see, as one of United Methodists, one of the pieces that makes us who we are is this steadfast commitment to have open hearts and open minds and open doors. That was one of the pieces that I noticed as I came to Los Altos, that that slogan that actually comes from our communications department, that slogan, that motto really connected to people at Los Altos. And you embraced it, and I still see it, and it still comes up. Somehow it's been really set in the DNA of this church family. And it might seem easy to some, It might seem like a trite slogan, but it's far from it. It's complex and it's messy. We see in Jesus' ministry how he reached out to listen to people different from him. He sat down and broke bread with people from different cultures and places and the wrong sorts, the rejected, the poor, the people he was specifically told not to engage with. That's who Jesus seeks out again and again and again. He modeled with his very life 
throughout the Gospels that God's heart only gets bigger and broader and wider by being in relationship, by coming to the table with all of God's people, letting go of judgment, letting go of fear, simply with a longing to love and to learn and to listen. Now, our readings this morning, we had quite a few, and I'm very thankful that we had lay leaders step up to read so we could hear from the diversity of the church as well. I chose quite a few readings, and I had to forcibly stop myself from putting more in. You can thank me later. (laughs) You see, when I planned this morning's worship, I thought to myself, the best example we have is in Jesus. We are disciples of Jesus, so let's look to his ministry to model what we are doing and what we're about. And everywhere we look, Jesus is including people. Everywhere we turn, Jesus is not just opening a door, he's kicking it down. If I had the gift of karate, I would kick a door down for you all. Everywhere we read, Jesus is showing us with his very life that there is no law against love, none, that our work as God's people is to open more doors, to draw the circle ever wider, to manifest with our whole selves that every child of God is an individual of immense worth and belongs in the church today and could very well be called to lead the church today. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. Oh. But as I shared already, I recognize that this isn't easy work. It's messy because we're broken and we are beautiful. We are each made in the image of God and we each have our own unique story. And who we are impacts how we see the world how we see one another, how we see ourselves. And all of this affects how we live out our commitment to be open. It's one thing to say we have open hearts and open minds and open doors, and it's another to actually have them because we are broken and beautiful and it's hard and it takes time and it's not the cultural norm. Because it means listening to someone's story and loving them all the while, acknowledging out loud who we are with love. Because it means opening our heart to someone's story. And in that we find we might have misjudged or been wrong about someone or something. Because it means being vulnerable. And that might mean we get hurt. Or we find ourselves changed in the process. It's one thing to say we have open hearts and open minds and open doors. Because you see, keeping our minds and our hearts and minds and doors open to all people at all times means that some people might exit through the door. They might leave our hearts. And as your pastor, I can tell you that hurts while others might come in. It means we keep coming to the table with open hearts to listen, but it doesn't mean we allow family members to be hurt or excluded in any way from that table. That, this, 
is why I'm Methodist with Wesleyan roots, not because of institutional law. In fact, in prayer, I realized it's despite of that. Pastors in our Western jurisdiction, and that means that we are in the Western jurisdiction, and that runs up and down the West Coast and several hundred miles inland. We have been officiating same-gender weddings for years and years and years. Our ordained clergy and laity alike are blessedly, beautifully diverse in gender and orientation and marital status, race, ethnicity, ability, and gifts. Los Altos knows that. You've had many pastors. We all have different gifts. We all bring different things to the table. We all have our own story. Hear from Galatians again. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. It's been two years now, almost, since Y15, and that little whisper, I don't know if I can call myself Methodist, It's been almost two years, and I've been praying almost that whole time. It's time for me to share with you that I am taking my rightful place in this pulpit as a United Methodist pastor, humbly and in a lot of good company. I'm taking my rightful place before you in a long line of church leaders that have stepped up to openly profess God's inclusive love in and out of the church while still welcoming all those who see things similarly and those who don't to our family. And this is why I remain before you today. It's time today and every day that I declare there is no such law against these things. And I stand with Bishop Olavito and with all people who long to know Christ, whether we think alike or not, that I will keep showing up and I will keep joining those at the table. Two years ago at Youth 2015, over 4,000 plus young people learned through our silence. At that gathering and at far too many others, we allow the voice of the institution to speak louder than God's voice of love. I would say, church, that we have been playing by the rules of the human church way too much and not out of the love of God nearly enough. Next week, we will see this played out on the national stage. Our Judicial Council will review the election of the first lesbian bishop in the United Methodist Church in our own Western jurisdiction. Allow me to reiterate the bishops of our jurisdiction believe that Bishop Olavito's election and assignment is valid. I'm going to say that again. Allow me to reiterate that the bishops of our Western jurisdiction believe that Bishop Olavito's election and assignment to her conference is valid. Amen. Now, as this all happens... I would encourage the church to not get so wrapped up in the politics of the institution. It's easy. There's a lot of details. And I actually can connect you with other folks who are really wrapped up in it. 
if you want to get into it. But here's my encouragement as your pastor. Remember and prayerfully consider Jesus' ministry. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. And a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Give me a drink. To the woman, to the woman from the place he wasn't even supposed to step in. This is the Christ. Jesus brought a message of love, but he didn't model that love in silence. He was loud with it by his actions, by his willingness to come to the table, to meet those different than him, to learn and to love. Jesus taught us that our work as his disciples is sometimes going to fracture relationships. And that same work may empower us to engage as a prophetic witness for love. That work may divide us as it unites us. It may build some relationships that God needs while allowing others to lie fallow for a season. Sometimes it may divide us against our own family, our church institution. All the while, it may stir up that Holy Spirit to work in ways we can't fathom yet, that we can't fathom until we engage in the ministries at hand. My prayer for the church today is that we will step boldly and humbly with all that we have and all that we are together with our LGBTQIA brothers and sisters, clergy and laity alike, that together, church, we, we will be the courageous and clear and constant voice of love and justice for all of God's people. I would encourage you to stand as you feel called and able and join me in repeating after me the the verses from Galatians this morning. Please stand as you feel called and able. We're going to begin this today. Repeating after me, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. The fruit of the Spirit is patience, kindness, generosity. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law. There is no law. People, there is no law against such things. Amen. Please be seated.